Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lost to the Milwaukee Bucks by a score of 115 to 108. Um, they did not have OJ and Anobi and... You know, honestly, if we're going to be completely honest, the Bucks are a better team than the Raptors at the moment. Um, and, you know, uh, you would kind of expect a game like this where the Raptors fought. They gave their great effort. They gave a really, really great effort. I know they gave up 115 points, but I have to say that their defense was really good, really solid, really tenacious, and had a lot of great moments that they produced. But uh, they were chasing from behind for most of the game. Every single time the Raptors got close, the Bucks would uh, go on a little ten nothing run, a little eight nothing run, create some separation. Then the Raptors got to like fight, claw, get it back, you know, and and just repeat this process over and over again before losing in the end. And honestly, I'm not too stressed about it. Um, first off, the Raptors have played a lot of games like this against um, the Bucks over the years, um, dating back to 2019 when the Raptors ultimately uh, swept the Bucks in the uh, conference finals. And since then, I have not stressed about the Bucks, and I will refuse to do so here. Um, last season, they had some games like this against Milwaukee. Obviously, they lost two before they won one in the bubble. That one didn't really count, let's be real. Um, so they've had games like this. And, and Raptors-Bucks games, I kind of know exactly what to expect. You know, I think Milwaukee obviously plays such a... Um, you know, uh, paint-focused defense, and that takes away so much of what the Raptors want to do. Um, the Raptors generally get very little out of pick-and-roll against the Bucks. The Raptors generally get uh, almost nothing going to the basket. Pascal almost always struggles. Fred, unless he's hitting seven threes and having a baby, is going to struggle. Kyle's probably going to have his way against Milwaukee, as he usually does, and he did tonight. And he had a great night um, celebrating 10,000 points, which I will definitely touch on later in the podcast because it's such a great achievement. But, uh, you know, I kind of know the f- scope of what Raptors games are going to look like against the Bucks. And generally speaking, I think, um, you know, one thing that you can tell with the Raptors strategy tonight was they were going to go out and they were going to shoot threes. They were going to shoot threes. <laughs> um, and, of course, the Raptors are among the league leaders uh, they have been all season at shooting threes. Sometimes it's sort of skewed towards like a comical amount. I would argue 55 three-point attempts is a comical amount, which the Raptors attempted today. Having said that, though, the Raptors did make a concerted effort to attack the Bucks from three, which is, you know, what most teams do against the Bucks. You know, the Bucks are going to give up the three, and the Raptors intentionally hunted them. Um, and, you know, the Raptors did hit 22 threes, which is 40%, which is good. Because, you know, um, you know they weren't getting to the free throw line. You know, again, the, the, the Bucks just don't foul. Uh, and honestly, I, I'm not even trying to complain about the whistle. They just generally play a really solid defensive scheme in the, uh, around the paint. And that's what it was. And the Raptors seemed to better be a little bit better in the marginal areas, uh, such as offensive rebounds. The Bucks had 14 offensive rebounds. And a lot of those went out for threes, which is just uh, backbreaking. 
the Raptors also had only 11 turnovers, but a lot of those were live ball turnovers where the Bucks were able to get out and transition. So one play, Kyle threw a bad pass. Um, Dante DiVincenzo went the other way. And Kyle, you know, committed a flagrant foul. Although, honestly, he swiped at the ball. He missed the ball. He hit Dante DiVincenzo in the face. You know, it's, it's nothing malicious, but whatever. Okay. Uh, so they got two two free throws and the ball there. Uh, there's another possession where Stanley Johnson tried to throw a cross-court pass. The Bucks went in, out in transition. And so even though the Raptors only had 11, um, 11 uh, turnovers, um, you know, the Bucks were able to really capitalize on those because they were a live ball. But honestly, like, it, you know, those are things that happen over the course of a basketball game. They kind of come out in the wash. The Raptors played well. That's some chances late in the game where, you know, Fred had an open three. Fred had a miserable night shooting the ball tonight. Um, and ne- nearly did the Marcus Salt tear the jersey out of frustration. Um, you know, Stanley had an open corner three, which he uh, which he missed. Um, you know, after he hit another corner three right before that, which you know it is what it is. But um, but yeah, the Raptors, you know, they they couldn't get it done tonight. And um, you know, I, honestly, I think maybe it's just I, I just watched this brilliant post game interview that Kyle Lowry did after the game. Um, where, you know, I mean, it was just so, so wonderful. Um, and you know, that completely changed my mood and attitude on this game. Maybe it's just that, but honestly, I think there's a lot of things to focus on positively about this game. The reason why this loss burns is not necessarily because you lost to the Bucks and you had some chances that you could have maybe flipped. The reason this loss burns is because the Raptors are 7-11. And if the Raptors had given this type of effort in most of those games, they would have won the vast majority of those 11 losses that they had. Uh, they have, you know, for example, the last game, they just lost against Indiana. Raptors didn't defend with, like, even half of the intensity that they brought tonight. And, of course, it was a back-to-back situation, motivation, you know, blah, 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 blah. They just beat them, you know, who knows? It's hard to beat teams back-to-back. I don't care. The, the, you know, summoning the requisite effort to defend at a high level Um should not waver and had not wavered for the Raptors in the last, like, you know, three, four years at least now. Um, and it was disappointing to see those. So if the Raptors had gained this effort in previous games, they would have won. And then the Raptors wouldn't, you wouldn't feel so bad about you. Okay. You lost the game against the Bucks. Um, but alas, that's where we are. Um, but you know, again, I just want to look at some of the positives because I think there were a lot of good positives. I think first off, um, you know, Kyle was, was great. Kyle got to, was needed two points to crack the uh, ten thousand point plateau as a Raptor, becoming the third player um, after Chris Bosh and Demar Rosen had accomplished this feat, um, and he got that right away. First possession of the game, transition, pull up three, bang! The Raptors, um, he's already got that milestone taken care of. Should have got against Indiana, to be honest. Although you know, obviously he struggled against Indiana. Night and day performance from Kyle in that Indiana game. You know, I think. That one, you could definitely critique, whatever. But this one, Kyle was really, really good. Um, scored 14 points in the uh, fourth quarter and nearly brought the Raptors back even uh, against the Bucks. And, um, you know, he, he just did a lot of nice things sort of surrounding um, the course of the game, which is kind of like a standard Kyle Lowry game, really. Like, he um, set up his teammates really well. Um, I know he only had three assists, but there were honestly instances where Kyle would literally direct the play as he was going on like you know uh like a like a like a quarterback you know receiving the ball shotgun and and calling out plays and like mixing things up on the fly like you could see one possession where Kyle was bringing the ball up 
And with his offhand, he was literally signaling, like, yo, he was tracing a circle and just telling, like, you know, guys, like, run the play. And the play was for Terrence Davis to come off a screen from Chris Boucher. Uh, Boucher got a good screen, good good contact, got the Davis open, Kyle threw him a pass, and Terrence shot the three and made it. Like, you know, simple things. Like, you know, maybe sometimes guys forget plays. And there were instances where Kyle... You know, you know, there was one situation where he, you know, he was talking to Chris Boucher after they had a turnover. Where Kyle threw the pass, Chris decided what was a step late turnover. Bucks got a score, um, and they discussed it. And Kyle talked about it after the game. But you know, generally speaking, Kyle did a good job there. Took two charges. You know, guarded Bobby Portis in the post, forced him into a miss. Uh, standard Kyle Lowry stuff, and he took over in the fourth quarter. And and again, you know, he did a lot of great things. Definitely a big, big improvement over the Indiana game. I know people were. Um, Upset? Maybe I was upset too, honestly. I mean, the whole game was upsetting, and Kyle was not good in that one. But uh, obviously, you know, if you keep a level head, you understand that Kyle Lowry is a great player, and he's going to bounce back. And I have to say, out of all the players that were on the floor tonight, and and the Raptors and Bucks in this game, there were five other All-Stars, whether current or former, on the floor, um, aside from Kyle, in that fourth quarter. And Kyle was far and away the best in terms of executing. Um, offense and, and schemes and things like that among all those players. You know, I, I, I saw Giannis turn the ball over. I saw Drew Holiday turn the ball over. Chris Middleton had some bad sequences, although he was also quite good in terms of hitting some open jumpers. You know, I saw Brooke Lopez screw up a couple of possessions there. Um, I Obviously, Pascal was kind of missing in action, um, and he's probably the, one of the bigger negatives to take away from this game. But Kyle was was great <laughs> in terms of just, you know, here's this 34-year-old point guard, soon to be 35 in in March, and uh, yeah, in a game with so many All Stars, Kyle is uh, still the top dog. So you gotta you gotta tip your hat to Kyle. And again, I'll touch on ten thousand in a second. But Kyle was really good. Norm was really good. I thought Norm has really turned around the last few games. Uh, if you look at just um, his scoring output, obviously it's you know it's hard to only judge players on scoring output. But having said that. Norm's main job is to score. So um, his scoring output over the last few games has really come around. Obviously, you know, it's coincided with him starting with the Raptors missing players. Tonight, the Raptors didn't have OG Ananobi, so Norm stayed in the starting five. And he delivered, just like he delivered against Indiana, right? Uh, Norm had 26 points tonight, 24 against Indiana, 20 against Indiana the night before, 23 against Miami. There's that one-off game, the first game against Miami, seven points, but before that, 17, 24. So Norm is really finding his rhythm of late. He's really getting back to that, you know what, Norm's just good for <laughs> efficient offense, um, especially when he starts. And today is no different. Like, the Bucks have always struggled with guarding Norman Powell. It's been a trend that dates back to 2017 when Norm was a surprise starter in, in the playoff series. The Raptors played against Milwaukee and Norm came in, shot like 12 of 13 from three over that series, including a 25-point game, and, and Norm completely swung that series uh, where the Raptors beat the Bucks in six games. And yeah, it's it's actually amazing. I love watching Raptors-Bucks games because Norm versus Chris Middleton. It's just such a hilarious matchup. Um, Norm, once again, outscoring Chris. I mean, Chris did a great job overall in the game. You know, obviously, I think Chris is a better player than Norm Powell. But uh, at the same time, it's always funny to me when they play. It's like the difference is not nearly as big as it would be if you look at their just the scope of their careers. Um, you know, again, like Norm has averaged in those two playoff series, the Raptors have played against the Bucks. Norm has averaged 12 points, 12.5 points in both those series. And Chris Middleton has averaged around 13. 
which is just unbelievable that Norm is just continuously matching Chris Middleton in terms of scoring. But Norm was great tonight. Uh, probably the only Raptor who could actually create downward pressure towards the basket, which was so heavily missing. The Bucks obviously are so good at dropping their center back. Brooke Lopez, you know, again, this guy just doesn't get called for three-second violations, but it is just constantly... And, and, you know, some of that is just him skillfully tagging players as they cut through, which resets the three-second count. You know, whatever. It's like a hack. Um, and, you know, of course, they have Giannis in the paint as well. They have, honestly, just big defenders all across the board. Middleton's pretty big. DiVincenzo's pretty big for his position. Drew Holiday's big for a point guard. Torrey Craig is, you know, good size for small four. Portis, you know, all these other guys. Um and so the, the Bucks had the paint on lockdown. But at the same time, Norm was actually able to get to the paint a few times um, and was really, really decisive with his moves, really, really strong with his drives, really good with his takes. And he did a lot of scoring tonight, and a lot of it wasn't even in transition, where Norm usually is good for like five or six of his points. So I, I thought Norm was great, got off to a great start, was hitting some threes, you know, even baited uh, Middleton into fouling him, baited, I think, Bryn Forbes into fouling him on a pump fake, which actually, you know, Norm shot six free throws, Raptors only shot 12 all night. Um, yeah, Norm did a really good job, and he always does it against the Bucks. Um, I thought, you know, this is a weird game for Fred, absolutely. You look at the 3 of 17 shooting, you go, what the hell happened there? I have to tell you, this was a really good game for Fred, despite the fact that he shot 3 of 17. And what I mean by that is he had seven assists in the first quarter, got the Raptors off to a great start, uh, was finding, you know, was diming up Aaron Baines, rolling to the basket for dunks, finding Kyle Lowry in transition for three, finding Norm Powell for three. I mean, seven assists in the first quarter, very impressive. Um, And Fred was consistently, you know, driving inside and and kicking it out and, and creating offense. Now, of course, when he did choose to drive inside and shoot, he would get blocked and, and viciously blocked because, you know, he is like half some of these guys' sizes. Um, but at the same time, you know, that downward pressure, drawing extra bodies, collapsing the paint is absolutely critical in terms of setting up a good three on the kickout. And I thought Fred did a good job of that. And defensively, four steals and three blocks for Fred VanVleet and legitimate highlight moments of defense, you know, um, stripping both Chris Middleton and Giannis Adenokounmpo. I mean, there's one possession where Giannis drove, Stanley Johnson absorbed the contact, exposed the ball for a second, and all of a sudden, that's all Fred needs, you know, uh, with his heavy hands to just slap the ball away, kick out to Terrence Davis in transition, and one. Just right right to end the third quarter. A really, really nice run by the Raptors defensively in that third quarter. Um, you know, and Fred, just throughout the course of the game, you know, Middleton trying to drive in for a, a layup, and, and Fred tying him up and, and blocking him. Um, I mean, Fred honestly played such a good game defensively and did a good job setting other people up. It's just that he couldn't score, and he got a lot of open looks that didn't drop for him. It's unfortunate. It really is. Some of those were really good, and if Fred hit those, then this game is entirely different. But I thought Fred played a good game. Yeah, he. I mean, for example, he definitely outplayed Drew Holiday, who what, had seven points. Yeah, this guy had triple sevens. Like, it was the lottery or something. Like, come on, man. This guy got to play slots. Um what else? Uh, I thought Utah gave them great minutes, came off the bench, gave them a, a real shot of energy. 14 minutes for Utah, uh, 2 of 5 from the field, 1 of 3 from uh, the three-point line. The, the three was from a, um, a a play with Norman Powell where uh, he curled. I, I don't know if he screened or curled, but, um, you know, uh, Utah popped and, and, and Norm found him for three, and, and Watanabe hit the three confidently. Another play where I think it was evolving Fred where uh, Utah was, again, the screener. Utah rolled this time, 
and got a little short floater to drop before Brooke Lopez was able to come over and contest the shot. Utah's rebounding right away was really, really, you know, good. He was hustling, really, really competing for the rebounds and giving a lot of great effort there. And defensively, honestly, you know, one possession, Giannis tried to drive against him and Utah stood his ground and, and coaxed a miss. So I'm going to count that as um, uh, on his resume as, as, as Giannis stopper now. I'm going to put that on his resume. <laughs> Just update your LinkedIn. Utah Watanabe, the, uh, the Giannis stopper. But, you know, jokes aside, the actual Giannis stopper was Stanley Johnson, who... Oddly enough, didn't get into this game until the second half. Um, first half, no Stanley Johnson at all. Nick Nurse went with Paul Watson in the first half, which I thought at first was just, okay, you know what, Paul is a better three-point shooter than Stanley. The Raptors were clearly trying to attack from the three-point line. They had almost gotten up 33-point attempts by the first half, which is, I mean, <laughs> that's like how many threes the Raptors attempted like for an entire game, like just recently, like three, two or three years ago. But anyway... Um, you know, uh, okay, so he goes with Paul Watson. Watson's not able to really execute, you know, fouls, not able to just execute the defensive scheme, uh, gives up some easy baskets, is out of position sometimes. He's out, okay. And then, you know, Boucher also got a run, although even though Boucher had 10 points, three rebounds and assists, two blocks, you know, he blocked uh, DJ Augustine twice, which was quite refreshing, honestly, because, you know, Lord knows we've been killed by DJ Augustine enough times as Raptor fans, so it's nice to see Chris Boucher block him on the three and also on the layup, but it felt like Chris just wasn't fully in sync defensively with the group, and what Nick Nurse ultimately chose to do was not just take Paul Watson out of the rotation, because I don't even think he should have been in it uh, today anyway, but to put Stanley Johnson in that spot, to not just take over Watson's minutes, but also to take Boucher's minutes. Boucher didn't, I don't think he really played much in the fourth quarter, if at all. And it was a lot of Stanley, and, and Stanley was really good. Um, you know, he hit two threes, so it wasn't like he was a liability from the three-point line. Um, he, he did miss one open three at the end there. Could have cut it to a one-point game. I mean, he was wide open, but, you know... It, he had hit the three before that. Again, I don't know how many threes you can really rely from Stanley. I mean, the, the fact that he even hit two is pretty good. Um, but what I liked from Stanley is the defense. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, in terms of Giannis stopping, I think Stanley did the best job individually against Giannis. Nobody is going to guard Giannis individually, okay? Those Raptors are going to bring help. Raptors are going to have help at the rim. They're going to have help coming from Fred trying to swipe in the ball. All sorts of stuff. They're going to try to deny all this other stuff. But in terms of just specifically guarding the ball. That is still the most important aspect of guarding Giannis, and I thought Stanley did a really good job. As soon as Stanley checked in, he was on Giannis, and the, the Bucks tried to go to Giannis in the post. Stanley uh, stood his ground, was strong enough to to match Giannis, which, again, is a mind-blowing thought. Uh, not a lot of guys are strong enough to even match Giannis and, and hold him in, in his spot. Um, but Stanley was able to do that. Giannis took a off-balance mid-range jumper. Of course, that bricked. Uh, and then the next possession down, Stanley absorbed Giannis's contact, and that's where Fred came in for the steal, which led to the Terrence Davis layup. So Stanley was really good in that in that individual matchup. He hit the threes. He moved the ball well. Um, and he even had another possession late in the game where Drew Holiday tried to just input the ball to Giannis at the three-point line. He was, Giannis was posting up at the three-point line for some reason. I don't know. I don't know what the Bucks' offense is, but whatever. It, it clearly was working enough, I guess. But um, Stanley uh, dove in there, disrupted the pass, and, and Giannis was called for a foul, which created another turnover. Um, I love Stanley's effort tonight. I thought he should have played more. I understand that the Bucks didn't guard him, and there are a lot of times where the Bucks just ignored him. Defensively, you know, when they would have like sequences where, okay, 
it's a it's a three on two or it's a two on one situation. Guy can choose to close out the Stanley or to the corner shooter, and the guy will just skip Stanley entirely and just rotate straight to the corner, even though Stanley has the ball. That's gonna happen, right? When you're when you're a negative shooter, which Stanley is still a negative shooter until he's you know really proves otherwise. When you are a negative shooter, that's what's gonna happen. But I thought Stanley did a really good job in his role, and I would have loved to see more minutes from him. Terrence gave him some nice run here or there. He scored, you know, took him maybe a two or three ill-advised shots, but, you know, this is honestly the first game in a very long time. He had no turnovers and no fouls, so in 20 minutes, too, against a tough opponent. So, you know, Terrence actually played pretty well tonight in his role. Um, it's just that, you know, obviously Kyle, Norm, and Fred are far better options, and so those guys got more minutes, but TD got 19 minutes. He scored eight points, was solid. Um, really, the only guys that, you know, didn't really look that great, I thought, um, Pascal, I mean, he just can't get much going against the Bucks. I know it's, it's, like, really unsatisfying to think about an all-star player, a maximum contract player, and you just go, well, you know, there's nothing you can do. Um, no, yeah, I, I hear that. But, I mean, really, there's nothing Pascal can do against the Bucks. This was true back in 2019 as well. If you look at Pascal's averages throughout the course of the playoffs, it was like over 20 points per game against uh, Orlando. It was honestly close to 20 against Philly, mostly because he had a great first game. Uh, he was over. He was at 20 points in the finals as well, which was all fantastic. The only lone outlier was that in the Bucks series, he averaged like 14 points and didn't shoot the ball efficiently. Um, this was kind of the same deal for Pascal. Uh, his skill set is kind of the same as it was then. You know, yeah, you could say the perimeter game got a little bit better. You know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I wouldn't say it was consistently better, but um, yeah. Like, what do you expect Pascal to do? He's getting guarded by Giannis, who is bigger and stronger and quicker and doesn't have a knee injury that Pascal just came back from. So there's no physical advantage anywhere for Pascal, right? Sometimes Pascal... Can't necessarily beat his man with the skill, but he's longer, he's stronger, he's quicker, all these other things. None of those attributes apply when defended against Giannis, okay? And then it's sort of just like, what do you want him to do? If he gets in the paint, Brook Lopez is right there to contest a shot. There's just not that much else he can do. So what Pascal did tonight was play some defense, did a decent job against Giannis, although I thought Stanley did a better job on the ball. But, you know, I mean, listen, he was on the ball against Giannis. That's, you know, he's got to get some credit there. Um, you know, he hit a few mid-range jumpers, you know, got a couple of, you know, assorted putbacks to drop, things like that. That's cool. But honestly, most of what Pascal was doing was just going for offensive rebounds and screening. Um, this, you know, and, and that's pretty much all he can do against the Bucks. Um, he can't really create much. Even if he has the ball on attacks, if the Bucks are playing the defense the way they want to play, that they usually play, Pascal's not going to have many advantages to create there. So he wasn't even creating for others. So... It's disappointing, but this is just where it's at. Unless Pascal changes his skill set, or the Bucks choose to guard him with someone much less capable than Giannis, this is what the result is going to be. I'm not surprised. Uh, Baines was solid. You know, I mean, I didn't like that he took seven threes. I, you know, I, he actually has found some success of late rolling to the basket. Of course, it's sort of like a catch the defense by surprise kind of roll to the basket. Not like he's unstoppable because he's Amari Stoudemire dunking on people going to the basket. It's not like that. But Baines has been, you know, um, okay going to the basket. Tonight he was okay going to the basket. He had two dunks, I believe. Um, and he had three blocks. Yeah, decent production, but... Uh, it just felt like, you know, he should have been screening more um, instead of taking those shots, you know, even if he's open from three. Here's the thing. When the Bucks drop back defensively and Brook Lopez is not guarding Baines, nobody guards Baines, really. But 
when Brook Lopez especially drops back against Baines and he is so far off of him that he's, you know, in another, you know, uh, <laughs> he's in another area code at that point. I mean, Brook Lopez is guarding Aaron Baines from Toronto, okay? Um, when that happens, and Baines is a great screener as well, what you can do is just dribble handoff instead for a guard, and that creates a two-on-one because Lopez is not around the guard. And so let's say Kyle's getting guarded by Holiday or DiVincenzo or Fred's getting guarded by one of those guards. If Baines executes a good dribble handoff and gets a good screen off, which is, again, part of his skill set, uh, he can create an open shot because then it's a two-on-one advantage. You, you erase the defender, it's an open shot for the guy taking a pull-up jumper. And I thought that's what Baines did a better job of, of setting up Kyle in the uh, fourth quarter there when, the, when Baines did have a brief run. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I think Baines played his role as much as you can really ultimately expect. And the Raptors lost. It is what it is. You know, again, the, the Bucks are a better team. The Raptors kind of played chase the whole time. They, their defense was decently solid. They they had some good moments, and the Raptors just couldn't get it done. So uh, it is what it is. The Raptors are 7-11. Um, they have two easier games coming up. They got Sacramento and, and then uh, Orlando. Raptors already beaten Sacramento this year, and Orlando is, I think, 8-11. and 11. They just lost to Sacramento today. So, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you would expect the Raptors to get those games. And, yeah, the Raptors can start trying to get back to 500. Um, and, you know, for, that's for the rest of the stuff. It, it is what it is. You know, I mean, you know, the last time the Raptors were this, like this to start the season was uh, the year they traded Rudy Gay in 2013. Raptors were 6-12 and when they traded Rudy Gay. Raptors are 7-11. So you flip one of those wins for a loss, you're right there. Um, I don't think it's the same situation necessarily, but of course I think the front office does need to do some things here to address the roster just a little bit. Raptors are turning it around. Their efforts are a lot better nowadays, but you know, still something, something, something missing. Although honestly, some of the fundamental problems are just like Pascal's not performing well, which I don't know how many times we could say it. So, um, three stars for this game. Kyle gets the first star, 20. One point, six rebounds, three assists, seven of tall shooting, six of eight from the, the three. I was going to give it to Norm, honestly, but Kyle, I mean, the 14 points in the fourth quarter, including f- four threes and a driving layup, I mean, that's like the bulk of what the Raptors did offensively in the fourth quarter. So, got to give Norm his credit, or you got to give Kyle his credit there. Norm got the second star, 26 points on eight of 13 shootings, five of seven from three, five of six on the free throw line, five rebounds, two assists, two steals for Norm. Honestly, everything's been better for Norm. Defensively, he's been better for Norm. Offensively, he's been better for Norm. You know, I'm you know I'm thrilled with what Norm is doing. I'm very happy for him. He's 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 gotten to another groove where, you know, as long as he starts, he's going to get 20 points, which is which is a huge luxury to have. Uh, and then in terms of the third star, I think he gives Stanley a bit of consideration here, considering he did really well in his stretch uh, with the six points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, doing his little mini Draymond thing off the bench. But I think you got to give it to Fred, honestly. Um, I know the three of 17 shooting is horrendous, but five rebounds, 10 assists, four steals, three blocks. Fred made a lot of good contributions. He was the only starter in the starting five who was a plus on the night, which, you know, mostly has to do with the rotation and stuff like that. But I thought Fred did a really good job defensively. The shots that he took were good. Yeah, one or two shots he forced at the rim, but honestly, he took a lot of open jumpers and he just missed them. You know, Fred's usually money on the threes. I know the Bucks know that Fred is usually money on the threes. It just didn't happen for him, so it is what it is. In terms of your Gerald Henderson Award winner, um, I'll give it to Brooke Lopez. I think Brooke, I mean, Brooke, you know, 20 points, 8 of 11 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3, 7 rebounds. This is kind of a throwback Brooke Lopez performance, dating back to his New Jersey days, playing in the IZOD Center. 
um, you know, got into the post and scored a few times, which again, the, the Bucks have been trying to emphasize more of the last two years. Didn't take that many threes. Raptors were closing out on him pretty well, but he did hit two of three from three, even though he's not that reliable of a three-point shooter. And he played well, and defensively it was really good. So, um, yeah, I'll give it to Brooke Lopez. But really what I wanted to get to was Kyle Lowry, who, again, if you haven't seen it already, go to the YouTube, the Dallas Sports Canada YouTube page, and I'm sure my man Ahmed has already uploaded Kyle Lowry's full interview with the media afterwards because it was phenomenal. And obviously on a night where, you know, yes, the Raptors lose, but Kyle Lowry got to the 10,000-point plateau as a Raptor. And I, you know, I, you know I, I'm just... You have to just be so thankful for Kyle, right? I mean, Kyle Lowry is an is a gift. He is he is a gift. Um, he's something that someone that you absolutely have to cherish. And you know, we have all these discussions all the time. It's like you know, of course, you know, what should the Raptors do? You know, this and that. You know, um, although you know the the season this year maybe tank. You know, maybe you can flip some pieces, asset management. You know, maybe you get something back for his contract. You know, all this other stuff. You can have these conversations. These are basketball conversations. You know, I don't, I don't really particularly enjoy them, but those are fine. But you know, I, I think you also have to kind of just count the blessings that you have. And you know, Kyle Lowry is an absolute blessing. Um, the fact that he is the third player ever to crack the ten thousand point plateau. I mean, Andre Bargnani and Vince Carter are, are are four and five. I mean, Vince played so long here; was a legend here. Better score than Kyle. But he didn't even crack that mark. Of course, you know, if he just didn't, you know, uh, sit out for half a year with, with with various injuries and whatnot, he would have hit that. But well, I'm kind of happy he didn't. Um, and then, you know, just, yeah, Kyle's in that club. And Kyle's all over the record books. First of all, Kyle's going to surpass Chris Bosh very soon. Um, Kyle is roughly 250 points back of Chris Bosh. So Kyle scores 20 points a game. He'll be there. He'll, he'll get there in, like, two months. Uh and, you know, he could be second behind DeMar DeRozan. I don't know if you can catch DeMar. It's tough. DeMar, obviously, 13,000 points is is a big record. You know, Kyle was asked about it after the game. And Kyle joked that, you know what, DeMar, obviously, it's going to be hard to catch him. He was such a gunner. Never looked to pass the ball, things like that. You know, it's it's funny. It definitely is funny. I mean, it was true early on in DeMar's career. He got so much better as a passer. But let's be real. DeMar also was a bit of a gunner. Uh, and Kyle ribbing his, his great friend there was, was great to see. But, um you know, to my point, if you haven't seen it already, go watch that video. Stop this video. Go watch that video, okay? Um, but, you know, Kyle took reporters and all of us through pretty much his whole career. You know, obviously, you know, first off, he was congratulated on 10,000 points. And he said, yo, come on, man. I got my Houston points. I got my Memphis points. And he joked about that. He talked about how, you know, in Houston, Rick Adelman, great coach, uh, was one of the first coaches to encourage Kyle to to, to, to shoot the jumper. And, and Kyle obviously has now become such a prolific jump shooter. So th- thank you to Rick Adelman for that. Um, really crafty coach, by the way. If you watch, you know, a, a real niche YouTube, NBA YouTube suggestion, but look up Rick Adelman corner offense, Houston Rockets. And you, there's a lot of those seasons with Kyle Lowry in it. They ran some beautiful stuff with uh, Kyle Lowry, Louis Scola, Chase Budinger, of course, Yao Ming, you know, guys like that. But seriously, they, they ran some good offense. But... Um, Kyle took you through that. Then Kyle took you through the fact that, you know what, you know, he's told the story many times. He didn't expect to do this in Toronto, but nine years in Toronto, he's, you know, six-time All-Star, so many things, and he's become a franchise icon, the greatest player in franchise history. And it's really just about making the most of your opportunities, and Kyle's done that here. You know, he thanked so many people. 
you know, um, you know, he talked about Masai, Bobby, even, you know, Larry Tannenbaum, you know, um, things like that. Kyle's just a really gracious dude. And, um, you know, he also went on to talk about things like, um, you know, one of the things that was asked of him was like, yo, Kyle, like obviously this year is different, you know, since you've been here, Raptors have won a ton except for 2012, 2013, but I don't count that. Kyle's were number three. It was all weird. Um, since Kyle's been here, they've been winning all the time and, and all this other stuff. It's a weird, you know, you know, chasing the way it is this season. And Kyle just talked about, honestly, he draws joy from not necessarily finding a new challenge, but just seeing the guys around him grow. We talked about seeing Fred and, and Pascal and, and Norm and OG, seeing these guys grow as players and as people. You know, obviously, um, the Fred has become a father, you know, twice over and, 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 and sort of seeing that growth in him and fostering the growth of these the, the next few guys i mean it's 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 beautiful stuff it, it tells you how selfless that kyle has has become and honestly if you've seen kyle long enough you've also seen the growth in kyle right that's the that's one of the things that with sports of course you're, you're in it to watch wins and losses absolutely right you want to see people compete you want to see people win you want to see people work together greatness everything like that uh you want to see greatness you want to be entertained but part of watching sports is rooting for the people because that's ultimately what it takes to create this product is people. And um, it has been such a joy to watch Kyle over the last decade um, to grow for to see his growth as a person, to see him open up, to see him mature, to see him become such a vocal advocate for so many social causes, to see him be such a great father Um you know, to obviously to his kids, and it's it sucks that you know in this COVID situation you can't have that. I mean, it sucks that Kyle Lowry scored ten thousand points, and all he got was you know one graphic on the jumbotron, and and you know like a dozen staff of, you know clapping. It should be a two minute long ovation in, in in Scotiabank Arena as they unveil his jersey of him, or his uh, tro- his uh, statue of him taking a charge. Um, but you know. It, it, just watching Kyle grow as a person, I mean, the way he's appreciating, you know, Norm and OG and, and Pascal and Fred, these guys growing, that's what we got to see with Kyle. And it was such a gift. You know, the 10,000 points isn't necessarily about the points for me, man. It's it's really just about the whole journey that we've seen with Kyle. For him to come to Toronto, you know, the original plan by Brian Colangelo was to sign 38-year-old Steve Nash. He even signed Landry Fields to try to make that happen. It didn't work out. Nash went to the Lakers, you know, whatever. Landry Fields hit three total threes with the Raptors in three years. And the Raptors went for plan B, which is Kyle Lowry. And Kyle didn't even intend to stay. He was nearly traded. And he blossomed, you know. He was he went from this player who butted heads with coaches and had this nasty reputation to um, really, really growing and developing, becoming an all-star. I still think he should have been an all-star in 2014. He was the best player that year. He should be a seven-time all-star already, going on eight and he didn't get it that year, but him getting the All-Star nod, him starting the All-Star game, him winning the Olympics, him, you know, you see the ups and downs, the, the decompressing 2016 series, you know, he struggled, but then that Heat series, Game 7, 35 points in the in the clinching game, getting uh, Mike Breen to yell bang. Um, Beautiful stuff, man. Honestly, such a beautiful journey. Of course, then seeing him lift the Larry O'Brien trophy, all of it is joyous, and all of it is part of the process of watching sports, part of the process of rooting for Kyle Lowry as a human. And again, as Raptor fans, we have been treated to such an absolute gift to see this man 
do what he's doing with the franchise to define what it means to be a Raptor going forward. All players should be compared to Kyle, not necessarily in the skill set, not in terms of the ability, but how hard they play, how much they sacrifice for the team, right? You know, uh, all the little things Kyle Lowry does, the little brainiac things that Kyle Lowry, the weird stuff, honestly, like him tunneling under George Hill's legs. Like, what the hell is that? But, you know, all these little weird little quirks, him randomly scoring zero and stuff like that, all this other stuff. Man, uh, the, the, the intro, the introduction, the, the, the handshakes at the intro, everything like that, the off-court personality, um, the way he's represented Toronto, it's been an absolute gift. He's the greatest Raptor of all time. He's been that way. He's got another record. And honestly, you know, Players are never going to play forever. There will come a day where Kyle Lowry leaves, and you know it'll be a very sad day. But his records are going to be all over the books forever, and it's going to take a very long time for 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 Kyle to be bumped down the the record books. Um, you know, like the the leading score for the Raptors in terms of just franchise career points is Pascal at three thousand five hundred. So, good luck, Pascal, trying to get another uh, six point five k to even approach Kyle's number. So, you know. Um, Thrilled for him again, you know, and again, just go watch that interview, man. It's perfect. You know, even he talked about Dwayne Casey, all sorts of guys. You know, Kyle's reached that point in his life where he's um, he's matured. <laughs> you know, he's like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't even watch Star Wars like that. But he's like Obi-Wan Kenobi in like the, the later series. You know what I mean? Um, it's, uh, it's beautiful to see his maturation. So. It, it, whatever, it's a loss, but, you know, if you feel bad about the loss, I, I cannot recommend the Kyle Lowry interview enough. So, thanks, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, the Raptors can get the, two of these wins back um, when they face Sacramento and Orlando and, and just slowly climb towards 500. There's a lot of good things here. If they can just play with this type of effort on most nights, they'll be completely fine. But uh, it wasn't enough today against the Bucks. So, thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, I'll be back after the next game. Selling a little? or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.